Hey friends, welcome to Recovering with Danny. I'm your host, Danielle Van Kay, and this podcast is all about eating disorder recovery, being a single 30-something, navigating the dating scene, and going through, you know, an existential crisis or two. My goal as an eating disorder recovery coach is to help you start living the life you have always dreamt of. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. Oh, my freaking God. I was just acting so cool, like, oh, you know, I have a bit of a cold going on. I'm probably not going to be sick, blah, blah, blah. Holy fuck. I got so freaking sick. I really got the flu. And um, as you can hear, probably I'm still very congested. Today's actually the first day that, that I'm back at the office. I just couldn't do anything. Cancelled all my clients. I hate being sick. Well, who likes it? No one, I think. But my God, I really had to surrender to being sick, you know, really allowing my body to do what it will. Basically, I did what I needed to do. And that was resting, eating, sleeping and resting, eating and sleeping. Extremely depressing. And um, yeah, anyway, I, I feel like I'm over the worst. Um, so that's great. I am still very low on energy. My energy is absolutely not where it's supposed to be. But exciting things are happening because I just launched a new offer. Uh, it's not a secret anymore. It's called the new exclusive offer. It's a one-time offer. And yeah, it's just basically what it is. It's 10 sessions, 99 euros each, including taxes. So it's really, really affordable. Um, objectively, I would even say, because if you compare that to other coaches who have been in the field as long as I have, it's objectively, I would say, pretty affordable. So 10 sessions uh, of in, in total of 990 euros, again, including taxes. And you can implement those sessions whenever you want for an entire year. So it's really cool because a lot of people feel like, oh my God, I've been on the wait list forever. So it's really handy to have paid off those 10 sessions already and know that, you know what, Danny is just one text away. Even though I've had a session three, I don't know, weeks ago, I, I, I kind of feel like I'm struggling a little bit and I just want to talk to someone or get some confirmations or ask some questions. You know, I'm just, like I said, I'm one text away. You can text me, say, hey, I want to have a session next week instead of a, an option. Of course, that is an option because people who are already my clients and you're going to be my client if you're already paid off the exclusive offer, then I'm just one text away and we'll plan in a session immediately. So um, I am. I have to be transparent. Obviously, I pre-recorded this episode a bit, a slight bit, a, well, literally the day of the launch. So as of now, there are currently four spots taken out of the 10. So honestly, at the point when this podcast is airing or this episode is airing, I don't know how many spots are still open, but don't wait too long if you feel like, you know what, this is a really you know, a once in a lifetime offer. Um, and I really want to do this, sign up, 
Uh, my the sign up link is in the bio as well of this podcast episode. It's in the show notes, and you can also head over to my Instagram account and send me a question or ask me a question if you have one. And so, yeah, I am really excited because this is this is uh, launches are always a bit nerve wracking because you never know how people react to it if there's actually people applying for it. That's the whole thing about being an entrepreneur. It's, it's yeah, it's always a little risky, but I, I don't know why I have this deep down insecurity or maybe even imposter syndrome because every time I launch something, I've been extremely lucky that it's just been fully booked ever ever since I launched it. Launch it. So, yeah. Anyway, but thank you in advance for everyone who has been so supportive and so nice because even though I did a pre-launch and people are already applying, it's not even launch day yet. So as I'm recording this right now, so it's it's extremely, extremely um, wonderful. All right, so we're just going to jump into the, the topic of today, and that is another Q&A, Q&A part two, because I promised you guys to do another Q&A. <coughs> Sorry, see, this is going to happen more often. So what I did in the first episode of, well, episode, the first one is that I didn't prepare any questions or answers, that is, to the questions that you guys asked, because I feel like this needs to be kind of like a, um, you know, a one-on-one session. And um, of course, if a client asks me a question, I don't have the answers <laughs> written down in advance. I haven't prepared anything because I don't know what my clients are going to ask me. So I'm going to do the exact same thing here. I'm just going to read through the ones that I've saved. And I have seriously, I have no idea what I'm going to read right now. So uh, let's just start off. Again, everyone stays anonymous. I'm pro probably going to do another question sticker pretty pretty soon as well so yes then we can have oh my god i have so many i honestly don't know where to start all right um first thing that comes up is the binge restrict cycle it's just it literally says the binge restrict cycle so i'm assuming that someone is struggling with the binge restrict cycle and they want to get out of it well binges and this is the interesting part and this is well if you're new here, this might be interesting. If you're not new here, this is not even interesting to you. Binges or feasting is not the issue at hand here. The issue is the restriction part. And if you've ever been diagnosed with binge eating disorder and you are restricting, you have been misdiagnosed. Because restriction after a binge is literally the definition of either, well, I would say a restrictive eating disorder, whether that's anorexia, bulimia, I don't love putting labels on anyone. I just say it's a restrictive eating disorder. And so the, the binge is not the issue here. I would say, let the pendulum swing the other direction, let your body do what it needs to do. And that is eating a lot of food, AKA binging or feasting. Now, what is the worst thing that you can do? Restricting, whether that's through purging, whether that's through exercising, whether that's through restriction uh, via eating less food than you should eat. That is the issue at hand here. So it's not about the binging. It's about the restriction, uh, restricting. So how to get out of this cycle? It's quite simple. 
you have to stop restricting. And the interesting thing as well is I've, I've talked about this plenty of times. Binging and feasting is a very subjective topic. To give you an example, this past week, I, whilst I was suffering from the flu, <clears throat> I have the tendency to boredom eat quite a lot. And I never see that as an issue. This was something I was always afraid of you, during my um, uh, recovery. That I thought, oh my God, what if I'm going to boredom eat for the rest of my life? Well, guess what? I still do that. Is that, an, is that a crime? No, it's not. I always say, if you're not shooting up heroin in a back alley, you're not doing anything illegal. You're not doing anything bad for your body. You're, you're doing, if you're restricting, then you're doing something bad for your body. Boredom eating is a very normal, condoned thing that every normal human being does. Diet culture has moralized this as a, as a horrible thing, but it's not. So due to the fact that I was sick and I didn't have a lot to do, seriously, the only thing that I could do is, was I could not even talk to clients because I was just coughing up a storm and I had no voice. So all I did was, um, taking, uh, well, drinking cough syrup, which I hate, Ugh, I find it so disgusting, um, eating, sleeping, and that was it. So I ate way more and I did way less. And I was, you know, all, usually in those kinds of periods of my life, I think, wow, this is something I wouldn't have done if I still would have an eating disorder because I would think, oh my God, I'm exerting no energy, help, help, help. I need to lower my intake even more. Well, I actually did the exact opposite. I ate out of boredom. And I I would argue even sometimes I, I ate way more than what my body could handle because I was so stuffed. But I was like, whatever, you know, I'm bored. It is what it is. And I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't turn back time anyway. So there were plenty of times where I ate. And this is kind of like my go-to uh, boredom snack moment is eating an entire bag of crisps and then usually also a pint of ice cream. It's kind of like I start and I, I, I just physically don't want to stop. I can stop, but I don't want to stop because it's just too delicious. And I have the tendency to sometimes overeat. Again, I don't see that as a bad thing or as an issue. So I did that two days ago. And yesterday I also ate half a bag of crisps, but just because I felt like it, not because I was bored. Um, either or, it's fine. And some people might argue, oh my God, Danny, that's a binge. I don't see that as a binge. I just see that as boredom eating. And like I said, boredom eating is completely normal. Every normal human being on this planet does it unless they're involved in diet culture bullshit. But you know, it's a very normal thing. So also con un ask yourself, what is, um, what is a binge or what do I define as a binge or as a feast? Uh, that is also maybe an, an important question to ask yourself because a lot of people have this completely misconstrued and they think, oh my God, I've eaten an entire bag of crisps. Now, and crisps, now I have had a binge, which I don't think that's, that's the case because a lot of people eat an entire bag of crisps, uh, crisp, crisps, crisp, chips, whatever. Honestly, the, the potato things, you know what I mean? So, um, anyway, you have to get rid of the restriction. That's, that's the, the biggest thing here. 
Um, all right, another one. I have a mix, by the way, of Dutch questions slash English, so I'm going to translate them. Um, all right, what do we have here? All right. Um, oh, this is a good one. Uh, I just recorded a Dutch episode about this on my Dutch podcast. I don't have this, so this is a, a Dutch question, but I'm going to translate it. I don't have, um, I'm not underweight anymore, but I feel like, uh, so I feel like my eating disorder is not severe enough to ask for help. So this is an extremely common thing, right? We all feel like, oh my God, I need to be the stereotypical, super underweight I don't know, clinically underweight person. Um, I need to fit the criteria criteria for uh, the BMI or, well, lower than the BMI standards in order to seek for help. Now, I've said this before, the statistics are actually that people, the highest number of people with eating disorders have a quote-unquote healthy weight. And this is something... Co- I mean, thank God we see this more and more and more on social media as well, that people in larger bodies are struggling with restrictive eating disorders as well. You know, your bo- it's not a weight disorder, as I mentioned previously many of times. So the fact that you don't have um, or that you're not underweight, first of all, you might be under the weight that your body wants to be at. So don't don't you know, think that you're not underweight, you might very much be under the weight that you should be because you clearly have an eating disorder. And um, you shouldn't feel like it's not bad enough. I mean, you know, do you really want to hit rock bottom in order to ask for help? Is that what you want? I know you don't want that. So let's not get you there. And you're like, I help people with all literally from all walks of life um i never asked for numbers i never asked for bmi everyone is is sick enough everyone is valid to ask for help it's not a weight disorder your weight doesn't define your mental health okay very 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 big important thing to remember all right um someone asked um i'm feeling exhausted in eating disorder recovery what do i do or what to do. So this is also something I have uh, recorded a podcast about or an episode about. It's called Recovery Burnout. I've also dedicated a couple of posts to it. Now, this is something extremely common as well. Everything everything I'm going to read up or read out loud is common, of course. Um, feeling exhausted in recovery is a very common thing. And here's the thing. So I need to I need to cough again. Hold on. <coughs> oh my god, it's kind of slowly dying here. Um, so I think personally, and I was one of them, that recovering from an eating disorder is highly, highly, highly underestimated. Everyone needs to see recovering from an eating disorder as their main priority. This is your job. And I would even argue this is your full-time job. And if you already have a full-time job on top of that, you have to imagine that that's just, it can be quite overwhelming. So this is the complicated thing. I always advise everyone, if you have the ability, and I know that's not financially feasible for everyone, so 
I congratulate everyone. I give you all the accolades. If you are in recovery and you're studying full-time or you're working full-time or you're, 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 you have multiple kids to take care of or even a kid to take care of or, you know, so many things on your plate, no pun intended, I congratulate you. I, well, not even congratulate you. I give you all the accolades and a round of applause because it's, it's freaking exhausting. You guys, recovery is exhausting. And I underestimated it completely. Whilst I was in recovery, I thought I knew what was, what exhaustion was. Hell no. Oh my God. I was way more exhausted than I ever could think of being I mean it was beyond beyond exhaustion and now of course I also have Lyme disease so it's a little hard for me to say oh you know you know what I am the biggest or the biggest role model here and the best example because I have already had a chronic illness which caused a lot of exhaustion but you have to imagine that your body is in complete repairing mode all the freaking time. You're getting out of the deficit. Your body is doing all these things, eating induced hunger. It, 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 it's trying to climb out of nutritional rehabilitation. It's trying to repair your organs. It's doing so much at the same time whilst you're trying to juggle all the things that you're, you just have to juggle if you are a you know, a human being living in society. So feeling exhausted is a very common thing. Now, what can you do about it? If you can, and I've said this before as well, step away a bit from your daily um, obligations. And if you can, here's the thing, if you can, if you can't, if that's not even feasible financially, emotionally, spiritually, you name it. Of course, if you have, I don't know, a couple of kids running around and they need you, you can't just say, guys, I am just, I'm not there. No, that's, the, and th this is why a lot of moms actually, and I, I've been helping a lot of moms in the past years. They said, Danny, honestly, going away to a, an eating disorder clinic or a unit was a breath of fresh air because I kind of had the excuse to take time for myself and I wasn't there to take care of the kids. And although they felt guilty, they also felt like, you know, like that. So I completely understand that. So if you want to implement that in your day-to-day -day life, I would say you have to find something sustainable and something that works for you now. So take a breather, take, take a step back, implement more self-care, more moments for yourself Focus on your breath. Use the 478 method or the 444 method. And um, yeah, really make sure that you don't uh, underestimate recovery because under underestimating recovery is like what everyone does. I think a lot of people think, oh, I will just do this on the side. You have no idea how mentally and physically draining it is once you actually are doing it. This is the feedback that I get from everyone. So yeah, that's kind of my tip. Take a step back if you can. If you can't, then, um, yeah, I would say, you know, implement self-care as much as you can um, and rest a lot. All right. And what do we have more? Um, let me see. Um, oh, my God, I should have kind of read these ones before because now I'm just scrolling through so many ones. Okay. Can't stop eating sugary things after eating a piece of chocolate, someone says. Uh, will I ever eat normally again? Not always so much food. 
so that's kind of a follow-up question from the same person. So first off, can't stop eating sugary things after eating a piece of chocolate. Well, honey bunny, that is um, extremely extremely normal. It's A, eating induced hunger, but B, it sounds like your body is in a chocolate deficit. So if you give your body as much chocolate as it wants, whether that's chocolate bars on end every single day, that's what it needs. So um, if you feel like you can't stop, I would say eat as much of it as you want and as you can. And then at some point, your extreme craving, your extreme mental hunger for chocolate, that chocolate deficit will be filled up. So you have to let, again, let the pendulum swing the other way. Let the chocolate pendulum swing the other direction, the other way. I wouldn't say the same thing, but it's so freaking important to allow your body to eat the thing that it needs so badly. And currently, clearly that's chocolate. And if you feel like other sugary things as well, go, go do that. Your body clearly is in a sugar deficit. And let's face it, most people in having an eating disorder, the first things that go are things with fats and sugar and carbs, just the fun foods. So allow your body to eat as much of it as possible. And I promise you that extreme mental hunger for those foods will taper off. And you said, will I ever eat normally again? Yes, that's the thing. It will taper off. I promise you. I know it's hard to believe because you might be in it right now and you feel like, oh my God, this is never ending. It can take some time. I'm not going to lie. It can take some time. Also, depending on how big of this energy deficit is or this energy debt, you have to pay off a lot of chocolate in order to get out of this debt. So it's freaking normal. And yes, you will eat normally at some point. I promise you. Um, All right. Oh, this is a good one. Advice on how to stop feeling selfish and guilty for prioritizing recovery and resting, etc. Wow, this is this is such a such a lovely question, and the reason is is because um, I understand that so many people. I, I had a session the other day with a client. Who we, we we literally talked about this. So many of um, you and so many people with eating disorders are the most selfless people. So we have the tendency to put ourselves on last on the list and everyone above us. So we need, we're kind of taking care of everyone else and not taking care of ourselves. And so that feeling, that inner critic, that belief of, I need to take care of other people and not of my, for myself. And that's also something that your eating disorder loves is a very common phenomenon. Now, is that normal uh, and healthy? No, of course not. Um, So how to stop feeling guilty about it? Well, the thing is, I don't think anyone feels the same. Anyone thinks, oh my God, no no one thinks you're, you're being selfish and, and guilt and, 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 and an awful person for priority, prioritizing your mental health. And I think if you even say it out loud to someone, Hey, do you feel like I am selfish for taking care of my own mental health and prioritizing myself? They would basically say, no, of course not, because that's literally your mental health is everything. So I would, I would say flip the script and ask, ask that same question to, um, well, not necessarily ask it to someone else, but 
how what would you advise someone else would you advise someone else to say you know what you should take care of everyone else first and then then you you basically then you're on the list no of course not so why why do you have different standards for yourself i think you have to really ask yourself why do i have different standards for myself is that maybe a childhood thing is that maybe how you grew up but it's so freaking important to put yourself first prioritize your mental health first and the cool thing is if you do that you have to fill your cup first in order to fill fill other people's cups right so if you do that right now you'll you'll be able to be there for other people as well but you always have to prioritize yourself first and i know it's not easy trust me i still struggle with that as well a lot of the times but if you don't do that like seriously you're not going to be the best version of yourself anyway for other people to be there. So you have to get over that hump. You have to act as if it's not a thing and then your brain registers, oh, okay, it's not a thing. So there's no point in feeling guilty anymore. So also opposite actions. Take care of yourself first. Prioritize yourself first. All right. Um, I think this is going to be the last one. Recovery tummy. Recovery whilst being in a romantic relationship. Okay, recovery tummy, I've written uh, a lot about this on my social media account. And I think I also recorded an episode about this. So go scroll back and uh, listen to that one. But being in a whilst being in a romantic relationship, that's a very, very, very good point. So here's the thing. No one gives a shit about your body. No one gives a shit about your belly. And I'm sure that the person who you're with loves that you are getting a recovery tummy because that means you're going into the right direction usually, right? So I would say, first off, I'm sure that you've had conversations with your partner about your recovery tummy and how it makes you feel and you might be insecure about it, but no one cares. And um, I would recovery tummy in itself it's a very common thing it's a very normal thing our body basically protects our organs as women especially so that's usually where we hold on to the most weight initially so it's a very normal thing and it would be extremely strange and absurd if your partner would say "Ugh, that's gross i don't like that well if they say that there's the door. Fuck the fuck off. Because that's not a person you want in your life. So whilst being in a romantic relationship, I would, if if this is, if we're talking about intimacy and you feel like I can't be intimate because of my recovery tummy, you have to, again, act as if it's not a thing. You have to get over that hump. You have to kind of force yourself to be intimate because if this is stopping you from being intimate how much of a shame is that because your partner doesn't care your partner loves you for who you are and they don't care about your tummy at all they don't care about your cellulite they don't care about your acne they don't care about your hairy legs or whatever they're human beings and also if they gain weight and have a tummy do you mind i don't think you do so I would say, again, act as if it's not a thing, um, be still intimate um, and uh, show your brain that it, that it really isn't a thing because it's not a thing and it's all in your brain. You're making it way bigger of a deal than it actually is because no one cares about your body as much as you do, okay? All right, we're going to end it here because we already uh, are up on, what is it, 30 minutes and... Um, 
I I really enjoy doing this. I really I think I'm gonna just make this a a reoccurring thing. Um, I'm gonna definitely do another sticker on my social media account. If you haven't followed me yet on my Instagram, Danny Venkay. Um, I mean, you can ask me anything there. I get so many questions, so it's it's kind of overwhelming. If you really want one-on-one support, you can always book in a single boost session. And if you're really intrigued in multiple single boost sessions for a discounted price, apply for the new exclusive offer. Like I said, it fills up pretty quickly. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I'm pretty sure that's that. Well, I'm going to probably have a wait list at some point. So, um, yeah. And the cool thing is, like I said, you can always text me. I want text away. We can have a session. Bam. That's it. 99 euros each, including tax. Not a lot of money. Um, Oh, well, subjectively, of course. So, yeah, that's it, guys. I am so happy. I feel like I'm back. I resurrected from the dead. (laughs) That's how it feels. Okay, well, I hope you're going to be here with me again next week. And enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. Hey, friend. Thank you so much for listening. My goal is to help as many people as possible. And if this episode supported you in any way, the very best way to show your appreciation and support me is by screenshotting and sharing it on social media. And I would find it so cool if you could leave a review as well on any platform you're listening on. If you're looking for additional support, you can always reach me on Instagram at Danielle Fenke. See you here next week.